Welcome to Cryptid Radio. My name is Adeline. I rigged up this relay tower to bring you this broadcast on cryptids and creatures of the area. I'll come up and change out the holotape when I can. Have you heard of cannibals? What about the Wendigo? There's legend around Appalachia of men eating other men and being possessed by the spirit of a Wendigo. These creatures are gaunt and emaciated, with ashy gray skin, long bony arms, and a large distended belly. Their head has turned skull-like with few strands of long stringy hair, sunken eyes in blackened sockets, and a mouth filled with long jagged teeth. Their arms and legs are long and slender, ending in hands that are large with fingers tipped by sharp claws. Before the dwellers that called themselves the New Enclave took over, when I was in White Springs archives, I found the myth of the Wendigo. It's from Native American people. They said the Wendigo was a malevolent spirit that possesses a man's body when he succumbs to cannibalism. It has insatiable hunger and greed. There's several iterations, but they're all generally the same. They all are malevolent, they're all cannibals, and they all are greedy with a never-ending hunger. They also all look pretty much like the Wendigo that I found in Appalachia today. I still remember the first Wendigo I came across. That annoying robot Rose from the top of the world sent me to find Raider's Keys. One of the Raider gangs was the Gourmands. I'm sure you've all heard about them by now, but if you haven't, they're cannibals. They dress up all fancy, act like proper ladies and gentlemen, and freaking eat people. Well, apparently, their leader Morris was even more of a cannibal than the rest of them. I found some entries on a terminal that said he ended up eating one of their own people, which in the Gourmands is a big no-no. So the group kicked him and his wife out, but Morris and Eddie didn't go too far. They took up residence in a cave west of Autumn Acre Cabin. So, off I went. The first part of the cave was filled with ghouls and the remains of soldiers. There was a hollow tape saying those soldiers spent their first winter after the bombs fell in the cave. I'm guessing the radiation got to some of them and that's who the ghouls were. When I got further into the cave, where it's more wide open, I found a nest of Mirelurks. Luckily, I didn't run across the one my Pip-Boy says is the queen. The shelled guys and the kings are hard enough as it is. I fought my way through them and went in deeper. I knew when I was in the right place when I got to the cavern. The entrance was blocked with a nail strip that I kicked out of the way. But the smell that was coming from there was the most foul thing I've ever come across. Even worse than a camp full of super mutants. I stepped inside. There were bones and parts of bodies everywhere. And then, from the waterfall in the ceiling, drops this creature. It definitely wasn't human. But, in a weird way, it could have been. It had long, gangly limbs, claws for hands, sunken eyes, and sharp teeth. It also had a distended belly, like it had just gorged on a meal. It let out this angry, breathy growl and lunged at me. I was not ready. All I could do was push it off and scramble behind the rock. But it was so fast. It came after me as I was digging for my power fist. The scream that it let out knocked me back even more. 
and it pounced again. Luckily, I got my power fist on just in time to punch it as it landed. I managed to stay close while fighting it, so it couldn't get out another one of those screams, but its claws hurt. It took a lot of punching, but I managed to take it down. All I wanted was to sit, use a stim pack, and rest, but not in that cave of horrors. I quickly searched the body for any clues of what it was. The body told me nothing. My pit boy said it was a wendigo. I knew what that meant. I had my suspicions on who it was, so I searched the area. I found a note and a hollow tape in a spot that looked like people had tried living there at one point. The note was from Eddie. She said Morris was hunting people from the road, and he wasn't sharing with her. He had become greedy and excessively hungry. The hollow tape was Morris's. It was him talking about eating Eddie. It started out like it was supposed to be a love note. Then it got horrible. The things he said were just awful. He completely lost his humanity. I mean, as little as can be left when you're a cannibal in the first place. Morris was that creature. He had turned into that Wendigo. My second Wendigo encounter wasn't as shocking. It should have been, but I had seen things by then. It was back when I was looking for Calvin Van Lowe. I found his buddy Scoot's shack. Scoot helped Calvin hunt for the sheep squatch, but after Calvin's disappearance, Scoot started hunting ghosts with some kid named Sean. They had an old transistor radio that they thought acted as a ghost phone. Scoot kept hearing it say something about a church, so he went to investigate. At first, he thought it was Haven Church, but that wasn't the case. It was the church east of there that had fell into a sinkhole before the war. His last terminal entry said he was headed out there. So, like I do, I went to investigate. I found the sunken church. If you can call it a church. All that you can see from the ground is the steeple and a bit of the roof. I managed to climb down the stairs that led up to the steeple at one point. But it looks like Scoot wasn't as lucky. I found some notes that he had left. He fell into the church and broke both of his legs, so he couldn't get back out. Although, it looks like he wasn't the only one that fell. A park ranger named Kevin had fallen in before him. Kevin knew survival skills and taught Scoot how to gather water, what moss was edible, and that they could eat bugs for protein. By day 24, though, Scoot had lost his hope. His legs were healing all wrong, and the wood was too soft to make splints. On day 82, they were still hanging in there, and someone named Mickey fell through. Scoot was suspicious of Mickey, which turns out he should have been. On day 100 or so, Mickey killed Kevin. He said it was for survival. Mickey made Scoot eat Kevin. Poor Scoot couldn't even write it. The last note, though, the last note I found was completely different. At first, I wasn't even sure it was from Scoot. He'd completely lost his mind. He said Kevin and Mickey were weak, and he consumed their strength, which means he consumed them. I just couldn't believe he gave in that easily. And then I heard it, that husky breathing and growl. I looked up, and there he is, Scoot. But it wasn't Scoot anymore. He was a Wendigo. I had to take him out. 
I couldn't let him keep luring people into the church to eat them. So I did. I put Scoot out of his misery. From what I had learned about him, I knew that that's what he would have wanted. It had to have been. He couldn't have wanted to live like that monster forever. The last Wendigo I'm going to tell you about today is a bit different. It also hits me a bit more close to the heart. Not long after Foundation was set up, I ran into a girl named Maggie. She asked me to find her dad. I had assumed he was just another missing person like all the others that had ran off, died to raiders, or turned into ghouls from the radiation. But Maggie was so convincing. She said that her dad raised her after her mom ran off with a chem addiction. Maggie and her dad, Earl, lived in Monunga. Earl worked in the Monongan mines until 2075 when Hornwright Industries bought the mine and replaced all of the workers with auto miners. The auto miners had emptied the mine by January of 2076. Earl and the others from Monongan, drunk and broke, decided to go steal some of the equipment before Hornwright packed up and left. The mine supervisor found out though and blew up the entrance with everyone still inside. Poor Maggie, she was just a kid. She tried to dig her way to her father with her bare hands, but she was pulled away by people from Monunga. They lied to her and said that her dad and the others had skipped town. She didn't believe them. Hell, I wouldn't have believed him either. So I agreed to help Maggie and find out what actually happened to her dad at some point. I'm not gonna lie, it took me a while to get to investigating this one. The whole dad thing, it hit me hard. I also wished I knew my dad better. I wish he had shared more with me than just the cryptid stuff. Sure, I clearly love the cryptids, but he was always so stuck in writing his books. He thought he was going to write the next great novel. That always seemed more important than we were. Anyway, when I was finally ready to find out what happened, I started off by heading to Monongamine. It was definitely blocked off. But I found a note, looks like it was from a raider, saying a nuke might open it up. So I did just that. I nuked it. Why not? Somehow they're still freely at our disposal. Turns out it worked. I got into the mine, though I kind of wish I hadn't. On my way through the mine, I found some notes, Earl's journal and a holotape. The things that happened down there, they're the things of nightmares. Those poor, poor people. I'm going to read you this note. I don't know how else to put it into words. So I'll let the words of someone that experienced it tell you. Time doesn't exist down here without the sun letting us know when the days are passing. I can't even remember the last time I ate, but I know it's been a while. People are starting to become desperate. James died from his injuries in the initial collapse, and they actually tried to feed us him at dinner. The thought of eating another human is, is impossible. What are my choices now? I either live and eat people or live and get eaten myself. I don't want either of those things. 
that's not truly living. Guess that only leaves me one choice. I suppose they might eat my body after I'm gone, too. Better to be someone's dinner than become one of those things. I just... How do you make a decision like that? When faced with starving or consuming your peers, I just... I don't know that I could. Earl's journal is worse. It makes it so much worse. The few entries that are in it are a first-person account of someone turning into a Wendigo. I just can't even understand how you could allow it to happen to yourself. I know folklore tells of it happening. I know it's happened to others. I've seen it. But this account? Maybe it's so much more real to me because I met Maggie and I know it's her dad. I have a bit of a connection to this one, I guess. But he said that he was always hungry. He said that people couldn't die fast enough to feed his hunger. How? How can someone say that about other humans? About his friends? I got to the big shaft that looked like it dropped down into the cavern. I wasn't sure what I was going into, so to be safe, I put a message out on my pit boy that I was going to need some help. I'm glad I did. When we got down the shaft deeper into the mine, we came across what can only be described as a Wendigo Colossus. It's what my pit boy says, and it was fitting. It was so different from the Wendigo I had come across before. So much different. I don't know if the extra radiation and the mine had something to do with it or what. The creature was huge. It had two incredibly long legs that were maybe arms. They led up to a lumpy mass that was the body with two more legs hanging off of it, ending in three very intimidating, very scary heads. It instantly screamed at us and sent us all off running. We couldn't help it. It was terrifying. But we got up our courage and started to fight. The more we fought, the angrier it got, and its screams gained the attention of other Wendigo. At least these ones were the ones I was accustomed to. Since I only had my auto axe, I decided to take out the ones closer to the ground, while the people that came to help with guns focused on the big guy. Eventually, the Colossus was taken down, and the other Wendigo were taken out. I went to investigate the big guy. I might forever regret that decision. There was a hollow tape and a locket from Maggie. It was Earl. That giant freaking monstrosity was poor Maggie's father. How was I gonna tell her? And since that was Earl, that meant the other Wendigo were the other townspeople that had gotten caught in the collapse. It was a huge, awful mess. I didn't have time to think about that, though. People were shouting that the mine was collapsing. We had to get out now. I grabbed the hollow tape and ran. We got out. Barely. When I got back to my camp, I listened to the hollow tape. It was so sweet and heartbreaking. Earl told Maggie that she was tough and capable and that he loved her. And I was faced with my decision. Tell Maggie or not. 
actually wasn't that hard. I just thought, if it was my dad, what would I want? I'd want to know. No matter the outcome, I would want to know what happened. I just had to hope the hollow tape would soften the blow. When I got to Maggie and told her, she was upset, but she was also grateful to know. I hope she'll be okay. I don't know how you live after finding out something like that. Guys, don't eat people, especially out here, because crazy shit happens. Until next time, keep your eyes open and stay safe out there.